Hello, Hoosiers, and welcome back. I'm Allie Melnick. And I'm Alex Hardgrave. And you're listening to Posted, a podcast by the Indiana Daily Student. We start today's episode speaking with IU men's basketball reporter and also featured guest host of Posted, Matt Cohen, about former IU coach Bob Knight's Saturday return to Assembly Hall. Matt wrote a feature story about the historic IU figure, so we're welcoming him back for... What, the third week in well, a row I, now? I, I, feel Hi, like Matt. Pe- I feel like people don't realize I've been in the booth for every single episode of Posted. He's our yeah. quote-unquote <laughs> producer of Posted. Yeah, if he, doesn't, if he doesn't talk, he is still sitting here on a microphone laughing at us the whole time. Really, yeah. I actually really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite parts of my Friday. Wow. We made it. <laughs> Goals. I also feel like we should reiterate, like, this isn't biased. It's just Matt has actually done yeah. a good job. Yeah. Like, it's just we really wanted to talk no, to you about just, this. Because it's a big story. We're talking yeah. about it for no, so long. Th- no, the, the, the Posted hosts are just trying to give some sort of reward for me sitting here and dealing with them every week. That's It's not actually exactly. like I did anything. It was like in the contract. We were like, Matt, be our have, producer. <laughs> and Matt was like, okay, but I'm adding a stipulation. I, I get I to come to on and talk yeah, about Bob Knight. Perfect. So Sounds now he's here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So take us, take us on the journey. Let's talk about Bob Knight. What about Bob Knight? Well, let's, how did you get into this story? So, okay. So my story with getting into this story kind of revolves around, um, I guess I was looking, I wanted to do some sort of like bigger project for basketball and I wasn't really sure what to do. So at about three in the morning on, I don't even remember when this was, about three in the morning, I, I kind of woke up with like a start. And like with like it's a very, it's a very, it's very so weird. Dramatic. So I just I just woke up and had this realization like wait like no one's really done a big Bob Knight feature about him being back in Bloomington and he'd been back for week maybe at that point. I don't even know if it had been that long yet. So I did what any normal person would do. I texted Gracie Barr at three o'clock in the morning saying that I had this idea and I just needed to send it to someone so I didn't forget it when I went back to sleep. Um, and right, because that's, that's normal. I mean, there's a thing right? called like your notes app on your phone, but what you do, you man. I don't know. It's, I, I don't know what goes through my head, but that's, that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I did. And then started working on it. Um, thinking that was very ambitious at first and thought never thought I was actually going to be able to get anywhere with it and then just slowly started chipping away and kind of got up to people that were closer and closer to, to Bob Knight himself um, and, it was, and then by that I mean like people in, in his inner circle because the thing with Bob Knight is you can't really talk to him um, he is not exactly doing particularly well mental I'm not just health wise and I mean, even then, even when he was at his, you know, when he was in better health, he never talked to the media to begin with. Uh, he was always never someone that particularly loved the media too much. So it's a, it's a bit of a difficult story to try to work around that when you can't talk to the person that you're actually writing about. But I think it was just, it was a, and for that reason, it was um, a pretty ambitious thing to take on. And I don't know why I was crazy enough to do it. <laughs> but it paid off, I guess. Yeah. So, so how did you approach to getting... How, how did you approach writing a story about someone you couldn't that, that you couldn't actually talk to them? Um, how did that work for you? It, it was hard, so I had to try to. I, I basically tried to. It, it was a, it was a lot of asking people like if I could talk to them kind of around Bob Knight and you know asking them three and four and five times because they wouldn't you know like who is this nineteen year old kid from the IDS <laughs> that doesn't know what they're doing? And as I slowly kind of was able to get 
people that seemed to be more legitimate and closer to Bob Knight, it slowly kind of worked my way up into saying like, oh, like, so then I, we get to like Bob Hamill at some point is one of Knight's closest friends and in a way like the gatekeeper to Bob Knight. Um, and I'd be, and I would go up to him and be like, hey, I've talked to, you know, these number of people who also know Bob Knight. Like, can I talk to you about Bob Knight? And eventually you can kind of work your way in there with Bob Hamill and he will, he will talk your ear off. I went to his office at, uh, at the Cook Medical Building, which is where he works because he wrote a biography um, on, on, on Bill, Bill Cook, I think, mm. Bill Cook. Mm. So he wrote a biography on Bill Cook. Now he has an office in the Cook Building. I think he works like a publicist for them or something. I don't know his exact position, but he used to work for the Herald Times covering IU athletics for 30 years. And he eventually kind of befriended Knight and they've been close um, ever since really his departure and even when he was still the co-chair. So it's a, a kind of a slow process of building up some of the sourcing there. Um, not really a lot of, you know, private sources because the people you need to talk to are all public figures, former players, coaches, people that covered him, people around him. So that was, it, it, it was kind of, it was just a process of slowly kind of trying to get some credibility in their eyes and slowly chipping away to get a bigger and bigger source because you, you can't just, and even though I, I did legitimately do this, you can't just go up to Bob Knight's door and ask to talk to him, even though I did. Yeah, can, I did can you that. tell that story? Uh, I was going to ask you about that. So I, about a week or two ago now, today is what, the 14th of February? So about mm -hmm. a, a week or two ago, I went and went to his house. Um, they have a for some reason, I don't understand, they have, a, they have a giant rock outside their house with a carving of the map of Oklahoma on it. Is and he I, from Oklahoma? Or like, I don't think so. so. It was very... <laughs> That's I don't so know. Funny. I don't really. Man just loves Oklahoma. He's not hating on him. I said at least it's not Indiana. It was. It was, <laughs> it was very weird. And then you. And then I knocked on the door. The, he has, which I thought was kind of interesting, one of those like ring doorbell surveillance things like the I, camera yeah i just thought that was kind of interesting just given that kind of the, the figure that he is um so i knock on the door and that's re a really scary feeling and his wife opens the door and his wife kind of knew like, I, I never met his wife but his his wife had known who i was because i'd reached out in the past and just never heard back so i figured the only way to actually talk to them is to just go there in person where they can't like you can't ignore me if I'm, if I'm standing at your door, at least hopefully. Although I guess they had the the, the the ring surveillance camps. Maybe they could have. Um, I talked to her. didn't really get anywhere with that, but I, I was never going to get anywhere with that. Um, they also did have like a big set of like porcelain dolls. Right, like next could, to the like, door. See from, from yeah, it was like front. right, like, so it was like if you like, I didn't actually walk into their house, but you could see kind of like right off to the side by the door is like a giant like of like three or four shelves of porcelain dolls, and I just that was the one thing that I just <laughs> took away from that. I don't know, don't know if there's any meaning to that, but everyone just has their collection porcelain dolls and rocks with the map of Oklahoma and rocks map of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So the story included like a lot of details, like a lot of weird details, like some some positive, some negative. I guess how did you decide what to include, especially when it came to the the negative things about his past? I think you have to include as much negative as you can with Bob Knight because the thing with I think that a lot of Indiana basketball fans don't fully uh, scale with each other is the fact that he you know. He he retired as the winningest coach in college basketball at the time of his retirement. He's he he is no longer that, but when he was at the, at, at the time he he was. 
but the thing is, is you can't really look at his career where he won three national championships and made, you know, you look at college basketball now and you see, you know, Duke and Kentucky, and that was Indiana in the 70s and, and, and the 80s. Indiana was the dominant program every single year with Bob Knight. But you can't look at that Indiana and all the wins and all the success and not consider the fact that he, you know, was not a good person. A lot of times in sports, winning will take will kind of neutralize all the negative because people only care if you win but you can't write a bob knight story and put him in perspective and make him a hero because it's hard to really decide if he is a hero i mean he did things things that i included in the in, in the story itself he said um that the puerto rican basketball team was 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 harder to beat than their court system after he had punched a puerto rican police official and he followed that statement up by saying that all puerto ricans are good for is growing bananas which is racist he then also pretended to whip one of his african-american players calbert cheney which is racist calbert cheney notably is the all-time leading scorer in the history of the big 10 still is the all-time leading scorer in the history of the big 10 uh in 1992 is a photo of it came out of him pretending to whip uh, Calbert Cheney. He actually had a bull, like a legitimately, like a legitimate bull whip at one point, and he said something along the lines of like no, like no tool I've ever had is like more feared by my players, something like that. I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something <laughs> along those lines. And then he equated in an interview with Connie Chung of NBC in 1988, I believe. Uh, he kind of equated like being stressed to rape and said that like if rape's happening, just like sit back and enjoy it, which is just obviously no. a horrible statement. Yeah. And so you and with things like that, no matter how many games he was, no matter how many championships he brings, no matter where he brought Indiana basketball, you always have to consider that in the back of your mind. And a lot of people don't really consider both sides of it. They consider one or the other. But I think that when you consider Bob Knight, you have to look at both ends of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't just... He may have been like a great coach, if not the greatest basketball mm. coach Indiana has, but you can't just ignore right. all these negative things. Yeah, just be like, and it's, that, it's fine. It's Bob Knight, and, and, yeah. and, and, and that's hard because people don't want to hear the negative stuff because they they want to think of Bob Knight as the guy who made Indiana basketball legendary. But there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i I was in the um, I was in Assembly Hall when he returned, and and people were very very excited though. But I. I was confused not being a big basketball fan fan but also like knowing his history of like not being the best um like it seemed like uh, why people, why were people like why were people so excited that yeah, he was back seemed, then you know like especially just like going off that like I from Ohio I didn't know anything about Bob Knight until like maybe last year. Well, yeah, you're an Ohio State so- fan, and Bob Knight is an Ohio State. <laughs> yes, alum. I know, but regardless, I don't know anything about sports. That's yeah. what we're getting at. Why Except Ohio State football? I guess just why? Why are people, why are so, people so excited? excited? Why was it such a big deal that he came back? Like, especially it, people our age. Yeah. A, so I think that's a very interesting question. Um, for a lot of students, this, this what Assembly Hall I think has about seventy eight thousand student seats. Uh, sorry. 7,800 student seats. 78,000 is a lot of yeah. students. 7,800 7, student seats. And for a lot of students, they weren't born when Bob Knight coached here. I'm a sophomore. I was 11 months old when, when Bob Knight was 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 fired. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, the, the students that are able to cheer him being here have just heard stories from their parents and, you know, relatives and family that saw him coach at IU, but they, they didn't ever see him. And even if they were old enough to see him coach, they weren't ever able to see him at his best by any means. They were able to see the decline of them. If you remember watching Bob Knight on CNN at 
two years old, which you probably don't. Um, Oddly enough, no. Yeah, yeah I, right. I mean, Alex, I were you born yet when Bob Knight was? Wait, fired? wait, wait. When was he? When was he fired? September two thousand. Yeah. Yes, you I were, was like two months old. Okay. So, so, so I mean, right. So like, obviously, we don't remember that. So I, it's an interesting question of why students were cheering because I, I don't know how they are able to have the same emotions that an adult would, which I still think that the adults that were cheering him were, you know, obviously not really considering the bad side of Bob Knight. They were more looking at what the, the memories they had of watching him coach. And there were a, there were a lot of teary-eyed people in that building. And, mm-hmm. and all of them were older people that were actually had memories. And I, I, I see that in some respect, but I think you also have to, and you're not... Obviously, in Assembly Hall, you're probably not going to boo him when he comes back uh, because that just it's not really the time and place for that. Um, But I also think people that are there can't just like see him as this hero, especially students who don't really have the and it's it's hard for myself to even say this because I am a student who doesn't have the ability to put it all in perspective. But I think you need to try to have an ability to kind of compartmentalize it all. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's just that's just my own take on it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, what what was your take on him coming back? Like, what were your feelings about he, it? He looked bad. Uh, he definitely he, looked bad. Yes, he definitely um, seems like he's his, his, declining. His and, nose yeah. was like a purplish red <laughs> color. Um, it's and I obviously you don't you we, we obviously can't make any medical or health claims, so I'm not going to do that. But it, it, he just certainly, at least to me, it felt like he looked older than 79. Um, oh, oh wow, he's yeah. only seventy nine. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't know um, that. I mean, he 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 kind of shuffles his way out in the court. Yeah. He, he 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 still showed some you know intensity in some moments. Oh, and, definitely. And he cried a good bit on the court. So I do think he was really fully aware of the what was happening, the power of that moment, because it obviously was a huge moment. Is probably the biggest grudge in college basketball fell on that Saturday. But there definitely is. It's it's not the the Bob Knight that came back on Saturday is a totally different person than the Bob Knight that left twenty years ago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well thank you for this insight and yeah, yeah talking to us about the story. Yeah, it's it's been it was a fun thing to work on because I feel like I now, in a way, can kind of put in context something that I don't think many students are able to because of I guess the amount of work you put into it. You can kind of I can I can pretend like I'm a qualified person to have a take at, <laughs> at at 20 years old of a guy that was fired when I was 11 months old. Yeah, I mean, but I mean like that's what it's the reporting is about. Yeah. yeah, you know that's what the point of the story. Oh, you know, a part of the point of the story right. was so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well thank you for thank having you. me. Yeah, thank you for coming. Here are other important stories from the week. IU Law student Perva Sethi died after being hit by a car Saturday near 3rd and Washington by a 59-year-old man. Bloomington Police Department Sergeant Dana Cole said officers did not detect alcohol and the man did not seem to have impairment. He was issued a citation Tuesday for violating an Indiana code requiring drivers to exercise care to not hit pedestrians. According to an email from Bloomington Police Department Captain Ryan Pedigo, the Monroe County Prosecutor's Office will decide whether the man committed a crime. An IU bus driver suspended until February 17th after telling a black man to go to the back of the bus or get off. The incident took place around 5.45 p.m. while the A bus was stopped at the law school. Footage of the event shows the driver threatening to call the police. The man, who is not known at this time, stayed on the bus. Other students spoke up against the driver's actions, and student Kendall Owens filed a complaint. 
The IU Board of Trustees approved a 3.46% increase in room and board costs at its Thursday meeting. The cost of room and board for the 2020 to 2021 school year increased by $375. IU Treasurer Don Lukes said the cost increases are due to the market analysis and comparison, as well as other factors, according to a tweet from IU. Housing cost increases were approved for IUPUI and IU South Bend as well. Ducks made out of snow were seen around campus last Thursday. These ducks were crafted by IU senior Cody Rogers. Rogers was given a duck mold, which was created specifically to shape snow by a friend in October last year. He has made about 300 ducks. Rogers said he plans to keep making the ducks, but this is dependent on the available snowfall. He said he hopes snow ducks might become a tradition on campus and continue after he graduates. Quote, I'm just someone who had too much fun with his duck mold, Rogers said. Both the men's and women's basketball teams won their games Thursday night. The women's team beat Illinois 59-54. The win was the 20th of the season, the fastest they've ever reached this mark in program history. The men beat number 21 Iowa 89-77. Devontae Green led the team with 27 points and seven three-pointers. And now we welcome sports reporter Phil Steinmetz here to talk about his profile on sophomore IU baseball pitcher Gabe Bierman, who lost his father during the season last year. So, welcome, Phil. I am happy to be here in my second ever posted appearance. We're happy you're here. Um, So can you first give us a summary of the story for listeners who maybe haven't had a chance to read it? Yeah, so I was kind of fortunate um, because I've known Gabe for probably about seven years now. So... um, Concerning, like, we went to the same high school together and whatnot. Um, but first, um, with, like, the story itself, I had an idea coming in what I wanted it to be because there were already two... Cause so, like, his dad passed away in May 2019, and obviously I wanted to do the story then, but things kind of didn't work out um, in the way because, like, they were... Like, the season just ended, and they were going to the Big Ten tournament and everything. So it just all didn't kind of come together and I couldn't go to the media availability where other media got to talk to him. And so there were like two other stories done on him and everything. So I knew I kind of had to do this in like a different way. And first I was thinking the idea of like, how does, like how does student athlete kind of grieve and go through this? Um, how does he kind of like put his life back together and really kind of move on? Um, but then further talking to his mom and everything, um, she was great the whole process. Like I probably talked to her five or six times. And at that time, whenever I first wrote like my first draft, I was kind of like the story didn't have a central idea to where it didn't. Um, I didn't have all the details necessarily that I wanted to do the type of angle that I had orig- that I wanted to do originally. Um, but what I kind of got from it is that um, he's living out the life that his dad never could. Um, since his dad was a pitcher in high school and in college, um, and his mom told me how their only difference as pitchers was the hands that they threw with, since his dad was left-handed and Gabe was right-handed. Um, so this whole story is kind of about how Gabe um, has kind of learned from his dad and everything, and how, um, especially like their experiences growing up, um, since it, since his dad was an alcoholic until. Two, like until 2013 um so his dad wasn't really around whenever he was younger and it was his grandparents who like got him into baseball um but then from there on out he had a great relationship with his dad he was always there for him and he was at every single iu game and his relationship with his family was super strong um so this story was just really how gabe has always kept his dad close to him and how even through now like his dad will like always be with him and you mentioned in the story also that like Gabe has a necklace with his father's ashes in it. So, I mean, he's literally close to him. Yeah. So it was really cool um, because I didn't know about that until 
the first interview, I noticed it around his neck, and I just asked about it because I've seen this man on campus before and everything I never saw before. Um, and none of the other stories mention it and everything. So, like, with the necklace, he got it in August. Like, he had an idea for it because they knew, like, they were going to cremate his body and everything like that, and they were, and, like, like they were going to have his ashes. But since their whole family was really kept together through Gabe and baseball, like, with his mom and his dad being divorced, that's how both sides of the family kind of came together is whenever they went to Gabe's baseball games. Um, so five of them... They decided, um, like, his sister Mackenzie came up with the idea for the silver baseballs um, while Gabe was at, um, was at some, like, whenever he was playing baseball over the summer. And then when Gabe came home, they surprised him and everything. Um, so it's a necklace that he never takes off for anything, and he has to tuck it under his jersey so it doesn't fly up and, like, break his teeth and whatnot. So it was really cool of how, especially he told me how, like, every morning he wakes up, He'll grab the baseball and just hopes he, like, has a good day and everything and, like, pray. And then he'll kiss it every time before he steps on the mound for, like, the first time in a game, just knowing his dad's there with him. What is the reporting process on a story like this? Um, I, I mean, you mentioned that you did kind of know him previously, but what is it like asking such, like, hard questions to someone? Yeah, so I knew it was going to be probably the most difficult story I was ever going to have to do so far. Um, I didn't really know how to approach it at first until I really kind of started thinking about it and reading the past stories that were done on him because I knew this had to be different. I knew I wanted to do a different angle. I wanted to do like a long form angle because um, all the kind of stories didn't really like I talked to his mom and she, well, she actually told me last week of how um, none of the prior stories done on him were really 100% factual and weren't like completely um, accurate of him and his dad and their relationship because everybody kind of put his dad on like this pedestal when he wasn't. And um, even though their relationship was really important and it was very strong, his dad just wasn't this guy who people kind of portrayed him to be. But I started the story in September because I actually asked Matt Cohen since like he since I knew he was becoming baseball this year. I asked him because obviously I don't want to step on like the reporter's toes. Um, if I could do the story, we talked about it of how since I did go to high school with him and um, I covered him in high school. Um, and I, and I've met his family before, so they were comfortable with me. So I knew that even if I did ask those hard questions, which obviously you, you have to do in a situation like this, that they'd be comfortable to open up to me more than any other reporter, which obviously like we were like, we were cool, but we weren't like friends, friends in a way to where it would affect the story at all. So, um, with that, I started in like September. Um, I went through quite a bit of like an editing process and with me, unfortunately I like to procrastinate a lot. <laughs> so I didn't really start editing. I got like a lot of edits in like November. I didn't really start just, like January cause I kind of let the story sit since I did struggle for a little bit, um, of where kind of getting that detail that I really needed to make the story come alive. But fortunately, like here at the IDS, we have a lot of great editors and everything that I trust almost more than anybody else. Um, and they really helped me like get like fine tune those details and really help the story um, turn out like the way it did. So it was quite a bit of process. This longest time I've spent reporting and editing a story. But I think like every second I worked on it obviously helped it quite a bit. And the significance of it coming out now, it's his first full season. Like it, the story came out. Yeah, the thirteenth yesterday, or yeah, two, yeah, thanks for yesterday, yeah, yeah. Like on, well, it came out on Wednesday, it, like it came out Wednesday night about like eleven p.m. Mm -hmm. online, and then it was for the Thursday print, but we really pushed it Thursday. Yeah, and yeah. the significance was that like it's his first full season without his dad, and you wanted the story to come out right as yeah. baseball season started, right? Yeah. So originally the plan was to drop in December, um, but then we knew kind of like 
because first, like I was talking about it with like Kelly French and she was saying of like, um, why, like, why not wait? Like, just really kind of give it more like this importance of either you wait till rightfully season starts or I could come out the of like the end of like the one year anniversary year of his dad's death. Um, May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It would have been May. Um, So fortunately um, it worked out in a way like I used to start season today, um, Friday and Gabe is actually the number two guy right now. So he will pitch on Saturday Mm -hmm. as, as the starter. Um, But the whole, thing was like um his dad passed away on the first day whenever like i was set to take on Rutgers in the final series of the season and then um gabe obviously pitched and and game three to clinch the big 10 championship and then he played in the big 10 tournament and he played in the NCAA tournament and everything um but yeah this is the first f- so like he's like played without his dad being there but this is the first like full season like without his like like yeah like without his dad being there and do you think it's had an effect on his game, either positively or negatively? Um, I haven't. I mean, I don't think so, considering I know he played really well in like this play tournament and everything and everything we've heard, like everything like I've talked to his pitching coach and uh, Jeff Mercer, like I've talked to Jeff Mercer, the IU baseball coach, um, and they were kind of talking about how he's kind of really grown so much, especially like f- from like a freshman to like a sophomore progression, um, just being a lot more mature because he kind of knows that like his dad isn't here anymore and um, he kind of has to be almost kind of like the man of family sort of. But at the same time, even as a player, like they just knew coming in because um, first coming in as a freshman, no one really expected him to play as much as he did, but like he did um, come up big as like a relief pitcher, but now he's going to be like a main guy in the rotation. Um, so they were kind of talking to me of how he just kind of gets it now um, to where everything kind of clicked for him um, and how he's kind of taking things more seriously and like his, especially like classes and stuff like that of how he's kind of just like really grown up and the situation has like helped him that situ- um, has kind of helped him there. So what has the response been like since the story's dropped? Yeah, so it's been kind of um, overwhelmingly positive. Like, I had a former um, ID sports editor named Dennis Elliott reach out to me. Um, he was a sports editor in the 60s. Um, he said, like, it was excellent work, and he really enjoyed the story. Um, and he said, like, I like he, like, hopes to read more stuff from me in the future and hopes that I, like, pursue a career in journalism, which obviously I'm going to do because I don't think I'm good at anything else. <laughs> um but like like on social media it has like over 100 likes and i think like 35 retweets and um a lot of quote tweets from like um like his like Gabe's dad's sister um i never talked to her and she found the story on twitter and quoted how she cries every time she reads a story and everything and then um this woman um who's part of like this IU fan page that I posted on um she sent me a message on facebook saying how she went to high school with Douglas and told me of how much she really appreciated the story being told and everything the way she did cuz she thought it was completely accurate and everything of the way I, the way i portrayed him as like a character which is really tough to do considering i never got to meet him or talk to him um so it was kind of really gathering information from like other people um but i've been really happy with the feedback of everybody and i've sent it, like i've talked to other journalists and they've given me advice about the story of what i could have done differently and like what um really stood out and everything so like i'm super pumped of all the responses everybody has like given me on it because this has um become something that i didn't think it would all right. Well, Great. Thank you so much for coming on, talking about it. Yeah, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. To read these stories and other great reporting, visit idsnews.com. Tune in next week for your weekly recaps and deeper dives into stories. Until then, I'm Allie. 
And I'm Alex. And this has been Posted. Hosted by the gals with the mostest.